Hi everyone, uh, Dave here. Welcome to the fading light uh, of West Yorkshire as I am here to introduce uh, our latest episode of Legends of the Spire. And in our effort to speak to as many former players and managers uh, of Chesterfield as we can, uh, this is episode number 59 uh, of those interviews as I spoke to Jamie McNicholas. Uh, now, Jamie was at Chesterfield from, right from when he was really, really young uh, through till when he was uh, a late teenager and was part of that Mark Jules, Dave Bentley uh, era of the youth setup at the club. Uh, as he got a little bit older, it was that changeover between John Sheridan and Paul Cook. Um, so really interesting to have a chat with him about those times. I've had a few of his former teammates on before, people like Cameron Mason and Jack Broadhead. Uh, so good to get Jamie's perspective as well. Uh, since being at Chesterfield, he's gone on to have a really good playing and coaching career over in America uh, and is now working with uh, women's soccer teams uh, over there. Um, so really good to uh, hear about what, he, what he's been getting up to over the pond. As always, I am at Spire Legends on Twitter and Instagram and Legends of the Spire on Facebook, so it'd be great to hear from you. Uh, but I better get on with the podcast before it goes completely pitch black uh, over here. Here is episode uh, number 59 of the former players and managers of Chesterfield FC this week with Jamie McNicholas. So where am I speaking to you from? Is it Indiana? Indiana, yep, yep. So we just, I actually live, so it's northwest Indiana, so I'm about just inside Indiana, but it's like 45 minutes from Chicago. Nice. Yeah, so I'm right in the corner. And what's it like out there? It's good, yeah. It's different. Um, you know, there's... there's. I always say... People ask me this question all the time. There's, like, a lot of different... Um, how do I put it? It's very, sim- it's very similar to England in the same way that, you know, obviously the same language, things like that. Way of life's very similar, but... Um, I mean, it's... At the same time, the way of life is different to, like, a little bit more opportunity in terms of, like um jobs the weather's obviously a little bit nicer from from time to time um but yeah no i love it it's great yeah i've loved being over here so uh so so if we go back to like the beginning then so like you just mentioned you're a, a nottingham boy aren't you right yeah yeah so i grew up in nottingham a place called uh clifton um so lived in the same household my whole childhood and then um played locally for maybe two years and then I think I got in the I got in the academy set up quite early actually um when I was I want to say nine or ten actually um I started off at Notts County um so their academy their academy closed down maybe after a year I think and then ever since then I was at Chesterfield but yeah Nottingham um born and bred yeah so when did you um join the Chesterfield academy then from from Notts County yeah, so I think I was 11. I, Norris County um, closed down um, after I was there for a year, maybe. And then, like I said, I was in two minds of whether to go uh, play locally or try out again. I think I ended up playing, um, I think it might have been Leicester. I, I went, on, went on trial with them and then um, Chesterfield as well. And then Chesterfield was kind of the easiest option for me in terms of um, just location, things like that, and type of, type of setup it was. So I think I was there... Probably 11, actually. Yeah, 11 all the way through. Yeah. Not too far to travel, is it? Was it? Was that down to parents and stuff like that then? Parents, yeah. So, it actually, it will obviously rush hour traffic as well on the M1, especially, or, or even getting out of Nottingham was was hectic sometimes. So, we'd, we'd train twice a week. Um, and, yeah, it got crazy because it was always my my mum that would, would take us and um, two nights a week straight after school, straight down the M1 it, I, on the way there at that time it would probably take us you know closer to an hour 20 maybe but um if the traffic's good then you could probably do it in 45 minutes straight so yeah but um it got hectic because my brother my brother played as well for a little bit so and we had like separate training times so um I would like he would do the earlier slot I would do the later slot and then we'd end up getting back you know two nights a week at 10 10 30 so it got crazy Digital nightmare <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah but yeah uh, she was willing to do it and was willing to do it and it, it worked out well so um yeah i was there for a while same setup all the way through <laughs> who, who was the kind of coaches then at the time was it kind of 
Dave Bentley, Mark Jules, kind of. Dave Bentley, Mark Jules, yeah. So they were the head of the. Um, Dave Bentley was obviously the youth team coach, um, and as well as as well as Julesy as well. But they were kind of the face of the academy, um, and as well as obviously all the all the different coaches. I'm trying to think of coaches' names that I would would have had growing up through there. There were so many different ones, but. Um, Sean Goodwin. Um, these are these are probably academy coaches that have yeah. been and gone along right now. But yeah, main 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 people are Dave Bentley, Mark Jules. And I suppose when you're there from like eleven, you kind of get to know them like in and out, don't you? I suppose if you're there for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my early days was obviously they, you know, I would I would see them in the distance, but not too much crazy interaction with them. But by the time I was, you know, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, the the around everyone you, you get to know them pretty well so especially and it's good leading into the youth team it's you know you get to know who they are and kind of what their expectations are so um yeah they were always around and i suppose that's something then you've uh kind of used that experience in in your own coaching now i suppose haven't you in terms of how to build relationships with with kids when they're kind yeah. of growing up and, and everything yeah for sure yeah it's for me it's a lot of it is um the biggest thing i take away from a player and just you know, being around different coaches and um, playing back at home and then playing college over here. It's, it's a lot of it's relationship based, you know, you've got to know your players, um, especially with me being on the women's side, it's a little different. Um, they're built a little bit, a bit differently than a, than a men's program. So it's um, a lot of it's relational. You have to know your players, you have to know, um, and it helps you in the long run too. So, yeah. So, so when you got to that point of, uh, so when you get to like 16 and you get to that point of getting a, uh, a bit of a contract and stuff, what was all that like at the time? Um, it can be, uh, I mean, it's the same every year, you know, when you're in academy, they, you sit down, have your assessments at the end of each year and, you know, they decide whether they, they want you around still, or, um, they give you ideas on what to, what to improve on or, um, if they don't see you as a, as a fit at the club anymore. But yeah, especially that 16 year old heading to a youth team age is, is very, uh, can be frustrating and a very anxious time because you're not, you're not sure which way it's going to go. But the way it worked out for us was, um, we had a, we had a good group of players at the time. And, um, I think we ended up playing, um, playing a game and they kind of, let us know at the time they gave us like a, a letter I think I want to say after the game um with different times of of meetings um and they would sit us down and kind of tell us tell us what's happening from there but no it can be it can be an anxious time especially when you don't know which way it's going to go um and all, and all the guys are on the same same page as well so yeah it's uh it's a fun but but, but anxious time for sure mm. there's a there's a program on tv at the moment over here on Channel 4 about the Crystal Palace Youth Academy and, and all of those players are kind of from like, you know, 10, 11 up to uh, kind of 15, 16. And it, it shows a lot of those meetings where the player kind of goes in with their parents and they have that like, right, right well, you know, and, and you kind of see in that programme as well of how, you know, people having growth spurts at different times and things like that and kind of the growing pains yeah. that you'll get and how that affects form and and things like that. It's, there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure, isn't there? If uh, and I suppose it's how you can how players and families and things like that can kind of handle that pressure, isn't it? Yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of pressure. I mean, the way the way it's set up in England is um, with with the academy setups. You know, you know, I think they run they run very well and they run um, in terms of development of players and things like that. But um, no, it can be a very pressure situation you know you've, you've you've got you know kids that uh have dreams of playing professional football and um it can yeah from year to year you don't know what's going to happen so you know you've got to keep just getting your head down i suppose in a good way it adds it can add good pressure too um you know that that decision's coming at the end of a year and you know um that at any moment it can be taken away from you so in terms of pushing yourself a little bit more and, you know, staying the extra little bit of training and doing bits on your own time to, to become the, the player that, to do what it takes to become a good player is, is pushes you on in good pressure as well. But yeah, for when that meeting comes around, you know, 
I remember times where, and, and there's obviously different reasons for people letting go. You know, you have friends that come into a club and then um, leave, you know, a year later just because it, it hasn't quite worked out for them for whatever reason that may be. But, um, and when you see that and then when you go into the meeting with your own parents, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pressure situation. It's a nervous situation, but um, it also, it builds your character also. They're, they're good meetings to have. Mm-hmm. Crikey. So, so describe yourself as like a player then at that time. So you're a defender, right? Defender, yeah. Yeah, so um, growing up, I actually, as I went into the 11-a-side game, growing up, I was always a centre-back. Um, so I think I, I think one thing most people and, and teammates will always say about me is um, that my ability to use both feet from a young age, I was always able to do that. And I think... Um, a lot of that goes just goes down to being on the ball when I was younger, but also playing at centre back and having to use both feet. Um, and as time got on, I didn't grow um, enough to to be a centre back, so I kind of moved into the full back role. Um, and, and to be honest, I kind of played different sides, more um, probably more left back than right back, but I did both both roles. Um, but no, I I I love playing there. I think for me, it's the it's, it's the best position to play because you're uh, you're involved in everything. You know, you're involved, especially with how the game's played today. You're always um, involved defensively as a defender, and then you, you're always looking for ways to get forward and, and get on the ball. So, um, I would des- I would describe myself as as a player, a fullback that liked to get forward, and that I think that was added on to my game more and more with the older I got. Um, but yeah, I've just consistent. You know, both feet can do a little bit of everything. Not not crazy good at one particular part of my game, but just, um, consistently good above like all kind of attributes. What it takes to be a good fullback at that level. So yeah, and and so talk to us through some of the players in that kind of youth team when you got to like between that 16, 18 age because. Um, like we had Cameron Mason, who was obviously a uh, keeper we've had on the podcast, and Jack Broadhead, who would have been in defence with you. And I think there was a, a young Lawrence Maguire then as well, wasn't there, who was just yeah. kind of yeah, starting yeah. to appear. And Jake Beasley, who was uh, obviously yeah. had a good career out of it. Yeah. It was a good, good little, not a bad little team, was it? It was. No, we had a good group. Um, when I first went in there as, as on my first year in the youth team, um, so my group was obviously... Um, Cameron Mason was was my group. He came in later, I think. So he wasn't involved in the academy setup. He actually got signed um, right before his. Um, I think he, he must have got released from somewhere else, and then managed to get a contract at Chesterfield. I can't remember what that was. He, I'm sure he, I'm sure he spoke about it. But um, so he, yeah, he was in my he was in my group. Um, Alex Hewitt, so Jamie Hewitt's son. Um, he was around for you know in my group, and then. Um, there's a few of us, you know, uh, Regan Eldridge, uh, Oliver Brock, um, kind of lost contact with a few of those guys now, but that was kind of my, my year. Um, the year above me was like, you know, Jack Broadhead, um, other good players like, yeah, Josh Scully. Um, they, them, those guys had a lot of potential. And then it was really um, the ones that obviously, like you said, pushed on a little bit more was, was the year younger than me. And, you know, Lawrence Maguire, Jake Beasley, they ended up getting contracts after the youth team. Um, but yeah, we had a lot of talent in that group also, like uh, Lewis Sugden, Mason Coy. Um, yeah, it was, it was a talented group for throughout them, those three years, the three age groups that I was a part of. It was a, it was a talented group. Yeah. And, and did you, I, I suppose you all kind of socialised a bit with each other and stuff and, and got to know each other. It's kind of a, an odd situation, isn't it, when you, I suppose you're doing bits of college as well at the time and, and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you, I mean, you're naturally, naturally with the way, you know, it's set up, you know, it's training every day, you're going to college twice a week or whatever it was at the time, I can't remember what it is, but, um, you know, naturally you're, you're kind of the people you hear you around for the majority of your day, so you, you get to know them quick, um, obviously a lot of different, you know, banter in the, in the train and like the changing room and things like that, so it's, it's, it's a fun environment to be in as well as, as well as a, competitive um you know the guy next to me is my best friend but he's also someone that might come and take my spot so it's a, it's a competitive environment um but it's good you know you get to learn real real good and you get 
uh, real good friends. And I've had some good friends. One that I actually didn't mention actually was Jordan Walshaw. He was a year younger than me. He's probably one of the ones out of all of them that I've probably kept close contact with. And that's probably partly to do with he's also in the US right now. Um, so, yeah, you make some friends long term as well. But at the time, you're, you're, you're around them all the time. So, yeah, you almost have to become good friends with them or have to get to know them. Yeah. And it was an interesting time around then, wasn't it? Because the, so it would have been the 2012-13 season, which was when John Sheridan left and Paul Cook first came in. Right. Um, after they'd been relegated um, from League One that previous season. And then the season after it was when uh, they won the title under Paul Cook. Um, so right. went quite well, didn't they, in 13-14 season. But around that time, again, I noticed that was when like the reserve team kind of got pulled, didn't it? So um, right. I don't think there was a reserve team at the time, which obviously for a young player coming through and then, you know, if you've got a successful first team, it's nice to be able to take part in right. those reserve games and things, isn't it? Yeah, no, for me at the time, it was it was probably a different, especially um, the end, like you said, the end of my first year heading into a second year, it was, it was a difficult time for me because... Um, just the aspects of it, like you said, you know, you hear all the time in, in football that it's it's kind of right place, right time a little bit too, as well as working hard. But um, I, I thought I had a really good first year. Um, I ended up actually playing towards the second half of the season, like after Christmas time, I, I was involved in the reserves quite regularly, actually. Mm. Um, so I was, I was playing... Um, youth team games as well as reserve games and traveling with them. So that was a fun time for me and, and kind of feeling like I was pushing on with the club and trying to make a um, impression. Um, and then I actually won young player of the year that year as well. So for me at the end of the first year, it was, it was uh, hopes were high kind of in terms of moving forward and trying to push on and, and earn myself a professional contract. But with the, you know, for whatever reason, the changes in the club, because um, not only at the time was it, was it a change in, in the gaffer, like you said, like John Sheridan um, got sacked and then Paul Cook came in. But not only that, it was a whole it was a whole coaching staff. Mm. Um, so we had a change in youth team manager and a change in academy manager. And the, the whole backroom staff, apart from maybe one or two, were, was completely different. Um, so it almost felt like for us as a youth team that we were, and especially again with, with limited chances to impress in in the reserve setup, it was um, it was a difficult time for us because it was almost starting from square from from um from scratch yeah um so it was it was tough obviously different things but you know they were we had a I had a good second year that year and it wasn't it wasn't meant to be at the time but um yeah it was it was a difficult it was a difficult time for me um and I know know a few of the other lads in general but that's football things change um and I, I think it was a difficult time for the club at the time of getting with getting uh, relegated that year too. So there was there was a lot of change, especially between my first and second year. Yeah, I think Jack Broadhead, I think he probably was that that spoke about that, how he felt that, I mean, he ended up getting a contract, didn't he? But it, I think he felt that uh, that when they did have the coaching changes, that that group of players then felt that they weren't like the new the new team's, obviously, players. Yeah. The new yeah. players kind of come in, don't they? So it can be a, Awkward. Yeah, because at the time I remember, yeah, I remember him being obviously. So my second year, he was a first year pro, um, and we we were still around him as much as as much as we probably would have been the year before. But um, I remember it being a difficult time for him as well as well as as well as especially your second year guys, um, or even the first year guys. That whole youth team that that year was, I think, from early on we knew that um, there was a new coaching staff in place, and it was going to be difficult to kind of win them over a little bit because they kind of wanted to do it their own way. Um, you know, which is again, you say all the time, it's it's football. Things change. You know, they they have ideas of what they want to do, and that's what they were going to do with it. And I think it, it seemed like from early on that they kind of wanted to get their own players in. Um, so I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they didn't give us a chance, but um, it felt like we were coming from you know a step below than we was before. And I can imagine with with Jack Broder getting a first year pro after, and then a change in manager, that must have you know it was probably difficult for him too. Um, in fact, I know it was because I remember using to speak about it. So, so what other stuff were you kind of involved with at the, at the time? Then did you have to did you have to do any of the kind of cleaning boots for the first team players and ball boys yeah. and things like that? 
Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, ball boys, um, cleaning boots, getting all the equipment ready, um, making sure changing rooms are clean, things like that. So all the different odd jobs that, would, you know, that people don't generally see in terms of what, needed, what needs to be done. Um, you know, youth team clubs all over the, all over the country. Are, youth, sorry, youth teams all over the country are exactly the same. Um, so we were, you know, making sure the balls are pumped before um, training, making sure they're clean, making sure the equipment, especially for the first team, is ready to go. Um, I was actually on, I can't remember if it was both years, but I, at least for my second year, I was on, we, we basically have like a, you get given a player to clean their boots. And I was given Sam Hurd at the time. Nice. Um, so yeah, I was on his boots and you just different odd jobs around. But then yeah, ball boys was another big one as well. We used to ball boy all first team home games that we could. Did, did Sam give you a good Christmas tip or anything like that at the time? He did, yeah. I can't remember exactly what it was now, but yeah, different. I think different first team players had different ways of going about it. But no, he was uh, he was one of the ones that was definitely appreciative of um, doing doing what I was doing. But it was, you know, it's almost an expectation as well at the same time. Like you, you're in a youth team, you're trying to earn your earn your stripes a little bit, and. Um, as long as you do a good job, I feel like most of the first team are pretty generous with with uh, handing off the little Christmas tips. So, yeah. <laughs> good. <laughs> I've not had him on the podcast yet, but hopefully at some point. It's obviously with, uh, I think he's at Bolton with Ian Everett now, I think, uh, as one of their <laughs> first team coaches. Um, so, um, so then obviously you got released, didn't you, uh, at, at the end of that. So... Yeah, had a, had a few players on that have, have kind of been in that position and how it can kind of knock the stuffing out of you for a bit. Um, kind of how was it for you when that all happened? Yeah, I think it was, um, like I said, kind of linking into what we were just previously speaking about. Um, I think a lot of us, it was almost towards the end of that, that second year, it was almost like, a, I think for a few of us, probably, you know, myself, maybe Alex Hewitt, Cameron Mason, for sure, um, who was involved a lot in, in first team stuff. It was um, it was a case where there was a little bit of hope still inside there, but we almost saw it coming at the same time. So I know my my group, you know, without a doubt, um, we were caught out all all on the same page. I remember us being um, called to a meeting at the, the you know the back end of the stadium, and um, we just have individual meetings they call us up one by one so it's almost it was it was a weird situation because we'd go up we'd talk to the coaches and come back down and then all the all the lads are there as well just kind of asking how it went and you know one by one you start to see people like you know not offered a contract they've been released um so I think for for any young player at that stage of their career if they're wanting to burst into a professional contract you know no matter how how much we maybe saw it coming. It can still be difficult. You know, it's something you've dreamed of for a whole childhood, wanting to play professional football. And um, for that not to happen, it, it has a knock-on effect. Um, but if, for me, it was, you know, it, it, I think I'm trying to remember for the time really, but it was maybe a, a month or so that I was kind of in my own head a little bit. And then um, after that, you just you just have to get on with it, you know. Um, I ended up playing semi-pro for a little bit before coming to the US, but... Um, it's a big, the biggest thing out of all of it is not necessarily the, the rejection of it. It's more the, the change in lifestyle because you go from training every day, going to college, you've done that now for two years and it's what you're, you're almost, it becomes your identity almost. Your identity is being a footballer yeah. and all of a sudden now you, you know, you have your college, you know, um, education, but you know, at that point, most people that you've, that you've, um, left high school with was, um, they've gone on to university they've gone on to do all these other things and you just you, you know i wouldn't say you're behind but it becomes something where you don't really know what to do with yourself mm. so um i think the biggest the biggest um like the hardest thing about it was the change in the change in identity and trying to figure out what what the next steps are so how quickly did the move to america come about then it so i i came out a year later so i had an opportunity to um to come out as soon as we, um, as soon as I got released from the club. Um, and it would, to, at first it wasn't really something that I wanted to do. You know, I wasn't interested in, in going to the other side of the country just to kind of carry on playing. And, um, I wanted to give Sammy Pro a little chance as well. Um, so I ended up 
playing at Hinatan for a little bit. Yeah. Um, as well as actually, I think I picked up. So I picked up a job for I'm not sure for how long, but I was working in Morrison's as a cashier for a little bit, um, which was a whole new whole new thing for me. Um, but and then I ended up playing majority of my semi pro um, at Baseford in like the fifth fifth tier of non-league football, I want to say something like that. Um, and it was a good experience. You know, you go, you go from playing with youth team players. And like I said, I had a little bit of experience with the reserves, but you're now playing with, you know, the, the brutal side of the semi-pro game and you're a young 18 year old trying to prove yourself in it. That, even that in itself can be difficult. Just you're playing against fully grown men and you're not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoyed my time there, but I think at, at that point with, with playing semi-pro, um, working in Morrison's, I obviously, you know, wasn't really enjoying that. I didn't really know what my next stage in terms of a career was if, if the um, football inside didn't work out. Um, so I got approached again, actually, with someone who I played with at Baseford um, to come out to America. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to give it a chance. And um, if, if I don't like it, I can always come back. You know, it's not a big deal. Um but no, I've, I've, I think it was a, it was a process at first in terms of changing over to the lifestyle over here and the type of type of college that I went to. But, um, you know, once you get used to it, there's, you know, I, I love it over here. So, um, but yeah, I was, it was a year later. So I, I got released at 18 and I came over when I was 19. So, so at the time, was it a bit like, oh, well, I'll, I'll go for a year and give it a chance or I'll go for six months and give it a chance and then, yeah, yeah, I think so. For me, when, in my mind, when I was coming over, um, I, I came home with another with another lad that um, was going to the same college as me that got um, released from Grimsby at the time. Um, so you know, I'd played against him, knew of him, but you know, we became somewhat close at, at that period of time as well. And um, for me, it was you know, let's let's give this a try. I'm kind of at that point, I was sick of working in a, in, in Morrison's, and I was you know ready for something a little bit different. Um, so I was looking forward to it. I was excited to kind of experience what it was, but I think somewhere in the back of my mind was always a case of, you know what, if it, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Um, I can come home, you know, like you said, I give it six months a year and, um, if I'm not enjoying it, that's, that's kind of, um, my decision made, but, um, yeah, that it actually did take me longer than that to really get used to it. I remember, you know, 18 months, maybe two years into it, I was thinking about pulling the plug and coming back home just because of the type of the type of environment it was at my college at the time. It was just a different area than what I was used to. Um, we were in, I went to a real small college over here and um, kind of in the middle of nowhere in North Carolina. And it was it was hard for me to get used to. But, um, you know, after after those two years, I never I never looked back. So probably yeah. one of the. Uh, one of the best decisions I've ever made coming over to America, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> Does it take a while for them to? I mean, obviously you've got a, you've not got a, uh, an accent. You're not like a strong northeast accent or anything like that. So, but, but I suppose it's still kind of a novelty for some people, I suppose, in America. <laughs> yeah. No. The. I. I mean, people love it. Yeah. People love it. But um, they they love the accent. They love hearing it. But at the time when I went over, we was actually. At my college, so first of all, my my coach that recruited me over here was was English. Um, so he was an English guy that's been over here for a while. And then um, the I think at one point we probably had like 10, 10 English lads on the team. <laughs> so um, which is getting more and more common now. Mm. Um, so it was a it, it you know it takes people at the college at the time it took people they you know they love to hear it every day you're always going to have someone come up to you saying you know i love your accent and, and things like that but um i can imagine some guys at, at schools where you know maybe they may be the only english lad they probably get a lot more attention <laughs> <laughs> so so what were you doing then at the at the start was it a mixture of kind of playing and did you get involved in a bit of coaching or anything like that when you first started or was it was it pretty much just doing bits of playing and stuff? It was just playing, yeah. So what what a what a season looks like over there. They do very short seasons over here. So it's like we I got there in August, um, start of the school year, and your seasons really from you know end of August to beginning mid November. Um, so you play a lot of games in a short period of time. 
um, as well as 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 doing your education and, and that being quite intense. Um, and then in the spring, you, you know, you're going for Christmas, come back from January to May time. It's um, you will be doing stuff on the ball, but um, it's more kind of physical fitness and you're in the weight room quite a lot. Um, the as well again as well as your education stuff but so it's, it's more it's more education and, and playing um there are opportunities in a little bit you know to maybe do youth camps for the school or um go and work over the summer and play over the summer and, and kind of do that side of it so I got involved in coaching but it was never really until um I graduated college that I, that I picked up coaching a little bit more when you did start moving into a bit of coaching were you starting off with the the really little kids or were they a bit older? What kind of age groups were they? So, honestly, it was a little bit of everything for me at the time. Um, you know, one one reason I love being over here is because, you know, you can earn a you can earn a good living just off coaching and doing things you enjoy. Um, so, which somewhat, unless you're in the in the right um, environment back at home, is you know you're not you're not going to be able to do that. There's not every opportunity to go and do that, but. Um, I ended up volunteering. I've kind of done a bit of everything over the last three years. Um, I ended up volunteering at, at another college at the time, um, involved in their programs. And then since then, um, uh, in high school, like the high school game, like secondary school is a bit bigger over here. That, that side of the game is bigger in America than it is at home. Um, so that stuff, uh, club coaching. Um, and then I actually am self-employed and went for a period of time where we was um doing private coaching so like one-on-one -on -one private sessions which is huge over here as, as well way way bigger than it is back at home um and then yeah it was just recently where where i kind of got the opportunity to get back involved in the college game as a coach so um yeah that's exciting so i've done a little bit of everything um but i think i prefer being the more um knowledgeable side of the game rather than you know running camps and things like that yeah. but yeah so yeah it's been a little bit of everything but it's been it's been good and it's 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 kind of i suppose it's a massive industry over there anyway but it's interesting that I'm, i live in leeds so we've obviously got jesse marsh uh as is in leeds managing the teams there's like right. loads of american fans started supporting leeds it seems uh because of a few yeah. players and the coach and stuff it does seem to have uh it's kind of grown hasn't it from both sides and like We'll move on to the women's game in a bit. Obviously, the women's game in America was probably uh, leading the way at, at, for a little time over this side, and then it's right. kind of the influences come go back and forth, don't yeah. they? It has. Uh, so, so what are the what are the levels and the and the standards and the size of things like over there? Is it? Uh, I suppose it's big business. Yeah, it is. It is the um, the games definitely grew even over the last. I think it started to pick up just before my time and, uh, over here. Um, but even since I've been at these last, what well, I think seven years now, um, it's, it's definitely got bigger. You find more kids, um, wanting to get involved in the sport. Um, cause I think before it, you know, it was baseball, American football, basketball, and, and no one really else looked anywhere else other than those three sports. So, um, now you're starting to see, you know, we, just where I live in Northwest Indiana, we, you know, we have three huge, huge clubs over here, um, with, with a lot of kids involved um so so they're definitely um it's definitely up and coming for sure and i think it will continue to grow um especially if if the u.s women's national team continues to do well and um you know hopefully the men uh, even even with them being in england's group for the world cup it's, it's huge so um it's definitely growing in terms of standard um I think it's slightly different, like the way it's structured over here, obviously in England, like, you know, we spoke about, you, you go through the academies and um, that's, your, that's your route into the pro game. Over, over here, it's, it's all about going to college and going to get your education. So um, most players from an early age will go and play at, play, play at a club, which is just like playing for a local club back at home um, with probably a little bit more. Um, because of the lack of number of them, because of the the sport compared to back at home, it's probably a little bit higher quality than what you would call like local football back at home. Um, and then, you know, kids will play high school. Um, and then the, their ultimate goal at the end of the day is probably to go and play in college. Very few will have the intention to maybe go and play pro. But um, 
the end goal for most people seems to be playing college and going to get your education and then kind of seeing where that leads you. But um, I actually, I actually think it's a different way of playing a game as well. A lot over here with a lot of coaches, you're starting to see more European coaches now over here as well, getting involved in the game. But um, I think before it's slowly transitioning, but it, it's a very, it's very much physical. It's very much about speed. It's very much, you know, whereas over back at home, you know, your technical ability would always probably come first um, over here. And I think, I think it's because they're used to American football and they're used to basketball and it's kind of like, you yeah. know, the faster you are, the more beneficial it's going to be and the more powerful you are, the more beneficial it's going to be. But, um, so I would say it's a little bit more of a physical game. Um, but in terms of standard comparing it to even like the youth team back at home, it's, you know, you play at some good colleges over here. It's very comparable, if not better. Mm. Um, just because of the number of, of of how broad it is across the country, and and even now you're getting you know you're getting players that have that have come and played at good levels of youth team programs back at home that are playing good standard of college now, just which makes the the game over here even better. So it's it's been interesting watching the Welcome to Wrexham uh, documentary since that's come out because obviously it's been made uh, kind of mostly for an American audience. Uh, because they kind of explain, oh, they have this crazy thing, relegation and promotion, and you can get right. through all the leagues, and then you can take a really tiny team and get to the top. And it's it's kind of interesting watching that, uh, the, the things that we take for granted over here is just the way that you do things is completely different, I suppose, because of that American football model of, you know, have your franchises and no one gets relegated. It's just someone wins the Super Bowl, don't they? It's it is an interesting right. difference, isn't it? That you get. Have you seen much of the Welcome to Wrexham? I haven't, much I haven't seen it. No, no, I haven't seen it. No, but um, I can imagine what kind of you know how it's how it's how people over here view it as completely different. I mean, because it is you know the whole promotion relegation system is not something they've really entertained in any sport really over here. It's just not how they do things. Yeah. Um, you know, even your big sports, your baseballs, you know, footballs, basketballs, there's not there's not a promotion and relegation system in that. And I think um, football just takes, you know, takes that kind of um, structure and, and adds it to the, to the football game over here. So it's definitely different. There's pros and cons of both. But, um, yeah, I think it's hard for sometimes people to get used to that. I think actually the more – I've actually had conversations about that with numerous – people over here who are involved in in the game and you know they're like you know wouldn't be so cool if that was the case over here where you know you're actually playing for something you can get relegated and and it would be but I don't think it'll ever happen yeah no I I think it'd be really interesting because if they ever even muted the idea over here of taking away relegation you know (laughs) people would hate the idea wouldn't they because it's part of that that chance (laughs) chance that you might fail right (laughs) kind of quite a subjective Thing almost as much as promotion is <laughs> yeah it makes the game makes the game more interesting but um yeah i, d- I don't think they'll ever in, you know make, make that thing over here i don't i don't see that happening especially in the near future yeah so so now you've obviously moved on to the so you're indiana university northwest uh head women's soccer coach so yeah you've kind of moved into the women's game now so what's that been like adjusting to it's been good. I mean, since I since I uh, graduated from college, I've I've somewhat been involved in the women's game just through you know private coaching and things like that, and and being around that standard of of player over here on the women's side. So um, I think at first it took some adjusting, um, but no, I, I mean I love it right now. We you know I took over a group, um, probably a, a struggling group, um, at, at the college level and. Um, you know they've reacted well it's 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 definitely different from coaching from coaching boys um you know like i, I mentioned before you know the beginning of of our, of our chat we the women take a lot more it's more relational it's more um man management almost conversations but um <clears throat> no overall i love it it's it's great it's it took a little adjusting too but i think i somewhat i actually somewhat prefer not many people would say that but i think i somewhat prefer coaching the coaching the women's game but I think that's down to um kind of a coaching style of mine it's not I don't think it's anything against the boys game over here it's more to do with the way I like to coach and um 
the, the women are quick to listen to. They're, they're so coachable for the most part that they're just willing to listen and take it on board and you, you can have much more of an influence, whereas the boys sometimes think they know a little bit more than they do. <laughs> um, but I think which every boy is, is guilty of in their, in their growing up stages. But um, no, I love it. It's great. Yeah, so is that is that kind of your... Uh, I, I suppose you've only been in that role, haven't you, for a while? So is that... Uh... Uh, kind of looking at kind of opportunities in that area, then I suppose is is I suppose it can lead anywhere, can't it? Uh, in the role that you're in at the moment. Yeah, I think my thing. So I when I graduated, I always wanted to get involved in the college game. Um, it's it's a difficult thing to do. Usually, the route to doing it is you you know you would go and be a graduate assistant somewhere, which means you would you would go and do your master's degree, and they would pay for it as well as you being a coach, mm-hmm. um, and they give you a small stipend and. Um, you know, after that, you'd probably go and be an assistant somewhere, just work your way up the ranks. And although I volunteered at a college to begin with, it was never really an option for me just because I got married so young. Um, you know, I couldn't really, responsibility at that point was to earn money. And that, that wasn't the route that was going to earn me money at the time. Um, so, yeah, I kind of, I kind of just put it at the back of my mind and left it on the side for a while. And, and um, it actually worked out perfectly that the college's, right around the corner from where we live right now and they were with the struggling program that they are they that they are they they were struggling to find a coach um for the type of school that it was so um it was a good opportunity for me to get involved but in in terms of the future um yeah I, i don't really know i think i think for me right now it's a case of just taking it you know year by year um helping the the program to get to a better place than it is that is right now and um yeah, I think if, if that leads me to another place where it's, you know, moving up in the college game, then then good. But, you know, at the same time, you mentioned it before, America's a big place. And what comes with that is probably a lot of moving around as well. So, um, yeah, for me right now, I'd love to go. I'd love to go and coach at even a higher level in the college game. But um, just taking it year by year and seeing what I can do with this program first and kind of seeing where that leads. And like you mentioned, you kind of have uh, like that and uh and everything, haven't you? Because you you have got married and got a. Uh, uh, I was I was watching a video with you in it actually last night where you were talking about your wife. Where was she, where where was she from again? She from Indiana. She's from Indiana, yeah. So we she um, she went and played volleyball at the same college that I played at, um, but she's from this area, so we ended up moving back here, um, and that's that's what brought me to Northwest Indiana, but. Um, yeah, so it was a big adjustment. My, I think we I, we got married six months out of being being in college. So um, I think I was twenty. Don't want to say twenty three. Yeah, twenty three at the time. So um, I think it, it, for me getting getting married early over here, it was something I was ready to commit to. But um, you know, it's very weird because you have your friends from back home, and that's you know, getting married early back at home is not really a thing. So. Um, Whereas over here, it's it's all about getting married early, so it's it's definitely different. Even now, we have I I know you know four friends alone from England that are over here now that are all that are all married and the same age as me. So, um, yeah, it was a big adjustment, but yeah, that was the that was the biggest reason I couldn't really get involved in the in the college game straight away because yeah. I was suddenly suddenly had a little bit more responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you find the one, you find the one, don't you? So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you kind of get get over here much or did the family get over to you much because obviously you've got uh, people either side of the pond haven't you yeah so um i have they my family came i actually have a real small family i have you know both parents and one brother younger brother um and then even extended family is pretty small but they they all managed for the most part to come across for the wedding um and that's actually the only time they've been over here um and then we were hoping to go back not long after that, but then COVID hit. Um, so that was kind of put a spanner in the works. But um, I want to say we've been over, is it twice now? No, I think since we've been married, we've probably been over once, which was last October. Um, it was just after COVID was happening. We managed to get on a plane and get over there for, for 10 days. And then um, we're actually going to be coming out soon at the end, same time at the end of October for, for eight or nine days. Um, yeah, so that's something I'm looking forward to. Yeah, because I mean, for me, the family, growing up family has been huge. So um, that's obviously the big downside about being over here. But 
um, yeah, we try to get back as much as we possibly can, but COVID has, uh, even if that's, you know, once every two years or once a year, hopefully then, um, that's, that's something we'd look to do, but yeah, COVID, COVID have a massive, massive, um, impact on that. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think at one stage, I, I think the time, yeah, I think the time before I was back home in October, um, it had to have been four years since I last came home before that. Um, and, and most of that was down to COVID, you know, we, I was graduating school and there wasn't really a period of time where I was coming home. Yeah. Um, and then by the time we could, it was like COVID hurt. So yeah, but yeah, so we'll be back in October and it'll be a good chance to see family and friends again. Hmm. Do, you, do you keep in touch with, uh, with football and stuff over in, over in Europe then? I suppose you've got a bit of a time difference. Yeah. You? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously I'm a, I'm a Forest fan, so this has been a great year for us. Um, so yeah, I mean, especially now we're back in the Premier League, it's been a case of where I can, because over here, you know, they show a lot of games. They basically, you can basically any Premier League game for sure that you want to see, you can, you can see. Um, and so, yeah, I'm always involved in that. And then every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll check in and see how Chesterfield are doing just because it's somewhere that um, obviously in my past. So um yeah, I keep in I, I keep in touch with it as much as I possibly can, and you know I love to. My wife will be annoyed every now and then, but I love to watch a good game at the weekend. I've not lost that side of me. <laughs> and you still obviously a pupil of the game if you're into coaching and stuff, aren't you? So I suppose this, uh, I suppose it's learning, isn't it? It's it's not social activity. <laughs> you can yeah, have- no, yeah, yeah, no. For, for me, it's like I, it's a bit of both. Yeah, like you know, you learn from watching the game all the time, but. Um, and you know the different things that you pick up and you know whether it's watching a premier league game whether it's watching you know a lower league game or even just watching you know more college sports over here like you you know there's there's always opportunities to learn as a coach and watch things and kind of see how different people do things but um a lot of it for me as well especially watching the premier league it's just the enjoyment of it you know i can't i mean if, I, if there's a if there's a game on tv no matter who's playing um i've got time to watch it i'm not i'm not going to not choose to watch it um it's just something, something fun for me. It always has been. So um, I don't, I don't think I'll ever lose that side of me. No, it's in your blood. It's in your blood. Uh, definitely. Right. So, so to finish off, then, uh, obviously you, you went and, and did all this quite young. You kind of took the leap and did it, and it's obviously worked out. You obviously go in, uh, it's obviously worked out grand. So if there's any other younger players then that have, that have kind of uh, find themselves in, in your position like you were then. And they kind of get that opportunity. What what kind of advice would you give them? Do it. Um, I think for me, it's I can you know I can put myself into the players' shoes when, when I was like I was talking before when I was young. It was um, difficult for me to make that decision, especially at that age. You know, moving away from your parents or you know leaving home, leaving the people that you grew up with, and, and kind of going into a world that's completely unknown. It can definitely be. Um, an anxious time, nervous time, but for me, you know, you're going to have ups and downs with it, but it's the best decision I've ever made um, in terms of just the opportunities that are out here. Um, and you, you just see it, you know, you just see a complete different world, you know, you grow up and for me, it was like this, you know, and I imagine for a lot of young English, you know, aspiring footballers at the time, it's very similar, you know, you grow up, you're in your, um, you're in your school environment, you grow up in that a similar area, you're around that kind of, it's all, it's all, you know, it's all, you know, you know, you're around your same people all the time. Um, you're around the same players and you don't know anything different. Whereas, um, coming over here, just opens up your, your mind completely to just what, although it's not drastically different, just how, how the world is different, you know, what else is there is out there. Um, even if it's a case of you coming over and um, deciding it's not for you for, you know, after six months or a year, you have seen it, you know what it's like, it opens up your mind a little bit and it's just a massive learning experience for you in general. Um, even if you don't end up staying out there after college, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of English guys of, of, you know, my friends that have come over here, played their four years and gone back home and they've now got a life back in England. Um, but they're doing that with a whole new perspective of, what life is like elsewhere other than where they grew up. Mm. Um, so my biggest advice is just do it, <laughs> you know, experience it, just make the jump um, and kind of make your decision after that from there. But yeah, it can, it can be a difficult decision, but 
you sometimes have to do one. Yeah, totally. And I think there's a few ex-Chesterfield players over there, I think, uh, doing bits of coaching. I think Paul Paul Shaw's over there, and I think Mark DeBoller's over there, and I think there's a few... Yeah, there's a few. Even, even, yeah, even in, in my era, I know for sure... Um, the guys that like so like um with my team um jordan walshaw came over played over here he actually went back home for a little bit he's now he's actually now coaching over here as an assistant coach at a college um oliver brock who was my age at youth team he's over here he's he's actually married with kids now over here so he's you know he's over here living his life and then um there was another one or two more uh lewis sugden came over for but he was one of the ones that came over, made the jump, enjoyed his time, but just missed home too much and ended up going home. So he was a, he was an example of someone that came over here that, you know, didn't end up like in the situation I am, but, you know, I'm sure his, his experience would, uh, life wouldn't change it. Having that chance. Yeah. 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 Great. So, yeah there's, a, there's a few that make the jump. Fabulous. Great. Well, thanks for, thanks for coming on and having a chat. It's really interesting to find out what you've been, uh, what you've been up to and that, uh, Obviously, I've spoken to players that have played 500 games for Chesterfield and right. <laughs> uh, and and yeah. and kind of had so many stories to tell of football matches and stuff. But uh, but I always find these ones more fascinating, uh, just because you right. people have uh, made a journey and then gone into some really fascinating fascinating things around the world. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's it's just important. Like, I mean, I'd, I'm probably the opposite. I'll probably love. You know, I've watched a few before of, of your podcast with other people like, you know, Dean Morgan, just kind of seeing different experiences like that. But, um, you know, people sometimes don't realise that these, fo- you know, these footballers is a very small window for getting involved in that. And there's a, there's a large window of people that end up not making it and um, have to get used to kind of other opportunities. And there's a lot of them. So it's important for kind of people to know that um, and just kind of keep in touch with what these these guys are doing once they leave the football industry. So, um no, it's, I think it's a it's a good thing you're doing with um, kind of hearing all aspects of it as well. So I'm just, just glad you got off the checkouts at Morrison's. I <laughs> know, oh, right? Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a six month period of my life that I wasn't too thrilled with. But um, again, another learning experience. So. After I finished university, I I uh, worked in a bingo hall for a year uh, to pay off okay. the overdraft and everything. Um, <laughs> At the time, I completely hated it, but I look back on it and it was one of the, it was like being in a Peter K sitcom every shift. So it was, you right. look back on it and take the positives from the experience, don't you, I suppose? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's always positives in every situation. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't go back to it, but I, I took a lot from it. <laughs> Got staff discount, I suppose. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>